Amen. Thank you, Brother Moore. And isn't it easy to hear him when he prays? Yes. Lord blessed him with a good, strong voice. That might have come about by years of preaching. <laughs> it sure might. I, I think probably I have the strongest lungs of anybody because uh, I've preached all these years and hollered at Sue. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I haven't done that. You know it. <laughs> it's always been the other way around. No, I'm just kidding about that too. All right. We're going to be looking again in Philippians, the book of Philippians in chapter number one. And uh, right quickly, uh, I want to share with you what I've been preaching, the subject matter for such a long, long time, but I've loved it. It's been a blessing to me, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. And that is that we've come down to the 10th verse. of. You don't have to turn there because I'll tell you what it says. The 10th verse of the 6th chapter of Galatians. And uh, we, I have been sharing with you some thoughts related to be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's just true. It is a fact. And I thank God for for that reality and for that truth. God has written that into his creation. It's going to always be the case. And uh, over the many years in the ministry, I've known so many people who their problems are simply reaping what they've sown. It's just a fact. It's a reality. And so what I've done is took the positive side of that because he talks about if we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, we reap life. And I like that. I like that. Brother Moore, I like what you said in your prayers. Lord, touch them that can't be here tonight and them that won't be here tonight. I want y'all to know I'm so happy to be here. I just don't want to be nowhere else in all the world than to be around the people I love the most. And so it's a good blessing, a good blessing. And I get to express my gratitude for his mercy and love and grace he's bestowed upon uh, my life. I just want to tell you how blessed I am. And it's not material things, but it's all the other things that go along with uh, knowing the Lord. It's a wonderful blessing in life. But anyway, um, we come to that 10th verse which says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men and especially them that are of the household of the faith. And so I had come to the point about praying, praying for people, and praying for the all men category. How to pray for people that are unregenerate. How to do that. And I brought several messages along those, those lines about how to pray for our leaders of our country. And boy, do they need our prayers. They really do need our prayers. And then we come down to the household of faith part, which can be applied to our church family. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pray for everyone that the Lord puts a burden on our heart to pray for. And I, I'm such a strong believer in that, that the Holy Spirit places on our heart people to pray for. It, that is probably the greatest way to sow to the Spirit. If you believe that tonight, 
If you believe that I ought to pray for people uh, that I have a burden for or situations I have a burden for, if you really do believe that, then you know why you care. Because apart from the work of the Spirit in the life and experience of a believer, we wouldn't care about nobody but ourselves. That's the way we are in the flesh. We are self-centered, self-seeking, selfish people. That's just the way we are. And we have a tendency to ignore what's going on anywhere else and just uh, be concerned about our own self. My four and no more. You heard me say that a lot of times. And that's the really the way it is if we're not really careful about that. I'm such a firm believer, and I won't tell you a little thing that happens to me this week. There was a person that the Lord really laid on my heart. And you know I've had enough experience with that that I know when that's happening. I know when it's happening. And I think it's an awesome thing. You know, I've told you when you're praying for people that you need to be really careful because the one thing we don't know for sure, we may know if they share it with us or we may know by observation. We don't know what God is doing in their personal life. And sometimes we may ask God to do something that we find out later we didn't get an answer to our prayer and we find out later that maybe the issues that person has needs to be. It needs to be and it's part of God's working in their life. And we have to be really careful about that. And sometimes it can be a struggle. How do I pray for this person? And, and you know, I, I've shared with you when it comes right down to it, we may just say, Lord, I don't know how to pray for this person. I really don't know. If you'll show me, I'll lift them to you in prayer. And it's an awesome thing that God uses us to accomplish His purpose through our praying. Don't ever forget, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. And James went on to say, and when you ask, you ask amiss that you may consume it on your own lust. We have to be careful about that. But I had just the most awesome news. There was a person that I'd been praying for for a long time because the Lord really laid them on my heart. And this week, I just got a response from that person that just put me on cloud nine. That person come to me and shared with me some things that was going on that I'd been praying about for a long, long time. Be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your prayer life. Be really sensitive to that. And He will teach us how to pray. Because the Bible says we don't know what to ask for. We don't know. Romans, Paul said that in Romans. But He works in our life to lead us and guide us and use our prayers to accomplish His purpose and His will. And so, I come back to this text tonight. Now here's what I've been doing with this. I had shared with you that I'd made this wonderful discovery and no uh, merit on my part, but it's just in the Bible. It just happens to be there. You know, we wonder what to pray for. I've already shared that with you. There are some things that prayers that are in the New Testament where, where under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, Paul, for example, the main example, has written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he's praying for something specific. That he's praying for it. And this text is one of them. And here I will read it. 
And Paul says in chapter 1, the book of Philippians, beginning in verse 9, And this I pray. How many of you believe tonight this might be something that I could pray too? Well, you'd be exactly right if you thought that. Because if he can pray for this specific thing, I can pray for it too. And it's a pretty awesome thing that it says here. This I pray. He's praying for the Christians at Philippi. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Now, the Lord showed me three messages for that. The Lord showed me that first of all, the awesome result that can come from praying this. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to always work. I pray for you, Brother Aaron, that your love may abound yet more and more for me. <laughs> what an illustration. Uh, well, and me and everybody else too, that it's your duty to pray for. <laughs> but that it may abound yet more and more. One study was, I took you through some passages of Scripture that use that word abound. That's an awesome word in the New Testament. And here's what it means. It means to exceed any measurement. Any measurement. So I want to tell you tonight that a person's love can abound. According to the Bible, their love can abound yet more and more. And uh, that doesn't mean that if you pray for someone that their love may abound. I'm sure there were people at, at, uh, at Philippi where that prayer did not apply to them simply because they were not willing or desired to grow. And so the growth in love and the primary love is going to be my personal, my love for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, uh, it, and from there it grows to abound in all areas that are of interest to my Savior. It really will. In other words, my love for my Savior is the primary thing. Then it follows. My love for you follows that. My love for my family follows that. My immediate family. My love for the church that I pastor all follow that. All those things follow that. Uh, my, my deep concern about my country follows that. And my concern about our our young people that are growing up in the world, that's different from the world when I was a kid. It's different. And so that, that love and concern will grow as, as we grow to love the Lord. And when we uh, study and think about Him and meditate on Him and all of the divine perfections, we're drawn to Him. And we admire Him even more and more and more. More love for thee, the song says. More love for thee. And so it can abound. I want to say to everybody in here tonight, or everybody that may be listening to this message, that our love for the Savior comes first. And then our love for everything else that we should love. And that's agape love. That's the love that's shed abroad in the heart of every believer can grow. And how do we grow as Christians? We all admit that we're supposed to. I remember this so well back years and years ago when we had a vacation Bible school and Brother Steve Perkins was a vacation Bible school director and, and the material we had, it had this theme about it, every living thing must grow. Now, that was good. I, it was unforgettable really. And uh, it stuck in my heart 
that very statement and the reality of that. Every living thing should grow. Every living thing should grow. All of us know that if we had children and, and time went by and they never grow, grew, and uh, then we'd be concerned. We'd be concerned because we know that's the natural process in nature. And so every living thing must grow. So just because I pray for it or you pray for it, for anybody in specific or our church in general, doesn't mean it will happen. It just doesn't mean that. But it means that we ought to. It means that that should be something we pray for. So sowing to the Spirit. I want to tell you tonight, sowing to the Spirit, if He puts it on your heart to pray that prayer, then pray that prayer because that's something we ought to pray. And so He says that. The second point that I shared with you was there is a limited scope. And this is just an awesome truth because it says may abound yet more and more in knowledge. And it means knowledge of the Word of God. See, that growth in love and the growth of a Christian is one with growing in knowledge, knowing, knowing the Word of God. And then the last point, I started it the last time I preached from this, was that there is a reward for that. And uh, I think this is a wonderful truth that when we find something in Scripture like this, well, you say, well, should I pray for that for myself? Boy, you better believe you should. I, I pray, Lord, for grace to love Him more and more. Because I know the more I love Him, the more I'm admired, uh, admire Him, the more I'm going to love all that areas of interest to my Lord and Savior. His kingdom and His cause and His plan, and His purpose. I'm going to love that too. It's going to come uh, in time. And so as we grow, we grow in that. Now, the reward, the first one, is in judgment. And I'll just mention, that's the last part of verse 9, that that's not judgment like the judgment of God that's going to come, or coming, or comes. Judgment of God goes on continually. It goes on nonstop. Nonstop in people's lives. And if, if we would just realize that, that's part of this uh, reality that God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Christian, I want to give you a warning tonight. I want to tell you something. You can be reckless and careless in this area that God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. You can be reckless and careless but I will tell you, if you really, really are saved, you're going to get in trouble if you neglect His purpose and will in your life. You just don't know how much of that I've seen. You don't know. I've seen it over and over and over. The child of God cannot neglect the will of God in their life. They cannot lay that aside. As I'm going to be sharing with you what is it that grace teaches beginning next Sunday morning, uh, I will tell you that denying worldly lust is one of them. As a matter of fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's the first thing. What does grace teach me? It has taught me that. Denying worldly lust. I know I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I'm so thankful that God has helped me with things. At one time, well, for about 20 years, of the ministry, 
uh, I, I worked to support my family, uh, pastored situations where what the church could give me or would give me, <laughs> there's been a couple of times the would give me is not there. So, uh, you know, I've had to, you, you don't know how many times the church has been so proud of their pastor because they don't have to pay him nothing. He, he works and makes his own way along the way. But anyway, for about 20 years, I, I did contract work. I, I went out, Sue can tell you all about this. I went out and I worked. The Lord gave me work. I never needed to find work. I, I'm serious. There was no shortage of work. There's a shortage of workers, I can tell you that. But I, I had a, an old pickup truck. It had a toolbox behind the cab and had two toolbox running in the back of the bed, ladder racks and all that stuff, you know. And I would had it packed full of tools and I would go and I would work on people's houses and build house. Uh, Brother Gabbert, Larry Gabbert was uh, my partner for a while. And I reached a point in all of that. You know, in 20 years you learn a whole lot. I never had nobody ever dissatisfied. I'd tell people, listen, I'll do this. If you're not happy with it, you don't owe me nothing. And I mean, I was, I was always honest about that kind of stuff and everything. People, sometimes people would say, I want you to give me a bid on doing this job. And I said, well, it's really hard to give you a bid. And I don't want to bid that higher than it ought to be. And I'll tell you what, if I will do this work for this amount per hour, no, 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 we want you to, this is what I want. I want a bid. I want a, okay, if you want a bid, you're going to get a bid. And you all wouldn't believe, sometimes I've figured it up how much I made an error. And I tell you what, I felt plum guilty. But, I mean, that's the way they wanted to do it. I mean, I, I, they would want to do it. Well, I got this idea, you know, and it come to me, you know, that I, 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 could, I worked every day. All through the winter, I worked every day. And my boys, when they were in school, I told them one day, I said, listen, I'll always have work for you to do. And I'll pay you. I'll pay you good. Because they was good workers. I tell you what, Tim and Greg could get it done. And uh, and I would pay them, and I never had to give them any money. You know, I never, I've never had one of my boys to come and say, "Dad, I got a date tonight. Would you spot me ten Or no, they never done it, and they had no reason to do it simply because they always had money. They could buy expensive tennis shoes and blue jeans and all that stuff they wanted, and I was glad that they was earning it and learning uh, work ethics and all that stuff. Well, I got this idea. You know, I can make a career out of this. I could be a rich man. I'm serious. And I, I got all this idea. I said, I know what I'm going to paint on the side of my truck. Thomas and Sons Construction. I done had it all figured out. Everything I was going to do. And I was down, I was actually down to the point of working out how to, uh, handle the insurance and everything, you know, that I needed. And, and I thought, this will be a good thing for my boys to do. And they can take it over one day when I get decrepit and can't do it no more. And I'll sit back and tell them how they ought to do it, you know, stuff like that. And I, I did. I thought, you know, I can really be successful. And then I stopped and I thought, God called me to preach. God called me in the ministry. 
God called me to be a pastor. And I'm not going to do that. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And that was the reason why. If I half starved, I was going to do what God wanted me to do. Well, I ain't never half starved. You can look at me and tell that. I've always had plenty to eat. Plenty to eat. Oh, I left out something really important. I had another employee, and she never charged me nothing. She would always work free. It was Sue. And I'll tell you something about her. One of the best painters that I've ever seen. Boy, she could do it. And not only her, but Peggy Gabbard also. Ask her sometime about that. They got into, they got connected with some contractors, were built new houses, and they'd have Sue and Peggy come and paint the interior and paper. They was the best wallpapers you ever seen in your life. And uh, I told you that big yarn uh, to tell you that you need to be careful. There are things out here that will draw your attention and your loyalty away from what God has called you to be in this world. Now, I don't take no glory for that or no credit for that. I give it to my God because He helped me to understand. He gave me sight and hearing spiritual to be able to... uh, these things that work out. So there's a reward that comes from growing as a Christian. Now, I could, if I wanted to, I could turn that around and I could tell you about all of the wonderful rewards I got for turning away making a lot of money in life. And I could have done it. I really could have done it. I never had nobody ever say, you didn't do a good job and I'm not happy with what you've done. By the way, the first three or four years or so that I was pastor at Emmanuel, you know what I was doing? Greg Rose and I were putting vinyl siding on houses and windows and doors and gutters and we, we worked every day. We worked. The only time we didn't work in the wintertime is if there's too much ice on the scaffolding. <laughs> if there was, you just can't get up there and work if there's too much ice. Well, I know I told you a lot of stuff, but it illustrates something. And it's something I've learned. Here's the point I want to make with that. The reward can be awesome. The reward. The reward. And I have experienced that. And that's, see, he says in all judgment, that's discernment. How do you know the difference between right and wrong, good and bad? How do you know that? Well, you know, I shared with you the Scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, the last part of that chapter, that, uh, you know, that the meat is, not the milk, but the meat is uh, having their... Senses exercised to discerning the difference between right and wrong, good and bad. And not only reward in this life, but reward that will come along the way. So that's, that's our subject. Now, in verse 10, and the rest of this is going to be about the reward. That, now I circle that in my Bible, because there's something going to come from that, from growing in love. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to jump ahead of that verse and take the last thing first. Because what he's talking about is being without offense in the day of Jesus Christ. 
And offense, of course, in the Greek is to stumble along in life. And people do that quite often. Being without a pen. Now, when he says by the, uh, in the day of Jesus Christ, the reason I wouldn't jump ahead was that I want you to understand something about the reward. The day of Jesus Christ, that's when he's revealed, revealed before uh, all of the universe as King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, it's a day that's coming. It's going to come. It's when he shall judge the world in righteousness. And he will. That day's coming. Every single one of us tonight are going to be there. And our lives will be judged. It also goes on to say this in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. It talks about taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that that's the day of Christ that he's talking about uh, in the last statement in verse number 10. There's no way to avoid that. There's no way to get around that. There is no way. Folks, I, I don't care what you think about that. There's no way to get around that. You say, well, what about the Christian? The Bible says then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. There's going to be... There's not... Listen, here, Christian, this is what the Bible teaches. There's not going to be a judgment for your sin... And the reason there's not going to be, if you, know, if you know the Lord, your judgment has already been stood and it was on the cross of Calvary suffering and dying and paying the penalty of your sin on the cross. It was already took care of. You say, well, preacher, and that's the reason the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation. And that word condemnation, look it up in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. You can look it up in the original language. That word condemnation means judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. And then he describes them who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those are not words that mean this is how I can be saved. If I walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No, that's not what it is. It's not a condition that I meet. It is a statement of fact. This is how they act. This is how saved people act. They act this way. You remember what I preached this morning? About grace being that force that works in us, that's put in us. That's how our Lord accomplishes His purpose. Because not only are we going to live with Him throughout all eternity, He's got to live with me. I don't, people don't think about that. So what he, what he came to this earth to do was to uh, purify unto Himself a peculiar people. That's what He came to do. And He's doing it. He's doing it. And so uh, that's the day of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what kind of judgment then am I going to stand? It's going to be a judgment of my stewardship of the grace that He's given me. That's what it's going to be. And you know, you say, well, preacher, what will happen as a result of Him judging you for that? I will either gain or I'll lose reward as a result of it. I'm a steward of the grace He gave me. I really desire, and I don't take credit for that, I desire down deep in my heart to do that which is pleasing in His sight. Do you do it all the time, preacher? No, I don't. I slip up. 
I say things or I do things that I know is, or I'm pretty sure it's not pleasing to the Lord, and I have to say, Lord, it's me again. I'm, I'm asking you forgive me and help me to have victory over that. That's the way life is for the child of God. As I said this morning, when He saved you, He gave you a new nature, gave you a new heart, but He didn't take the old one away. And any sensible Christian knows that I'm doing battle. I'm doing battle. Uh, it's a spiritual warfare that I'm involved in. And I need His help. I need His help along the way. So there's a day coming when we're going to be judged as stewards of the grace that He has bestowed upon us. And so we need to be careful because we're all going to give an account uh, for of Himself before God. It's not to determine whether or not you're saved, but it's to exhibit what grace has done for you. That's what it is. And I want to tell you something. I've thought about this before. You know, I've wondered about when the Lord judges me as a Christian, as His child, for my stewardship of grace. I've wondered if people that I've known along through life might be a witness of that and present. You know, it could be that every one of you are going to be standing there and observing that judgment on me for my stewardship of grace. It could be. It's possible. It's possible. And sometimes I hope not, because I I wouldn't want you to know any time that I've been a bad steward of His grace, but sure that could be part of the judgment. It could be. Because I believe in the judgment for the Christian. There's going to be some embarrassment. There's going to be some shame. And all of that that's going to go along with it. I want to tell you, I'm going to be standing there crying my eyes out before my Lord. I'm going to be praising Him for His mercy and love and grace that He's bestowed upon me. And I'm going to tell Him over and over and over again, I'm not worthy of the least of the blessings He's given me. I asked somebody tonight, I don't remember who it was, how you doing? And the answer came back, better than I deserve. That's what I got. That was the answer I got back. I thought that was pretty good, don't you? Because that's the way it is. All of us do better than we exert. And it's going to be demonstrating. You see, there's going to be, the Bible says that He's going to call together all the sheep and all the goats. And He's going to separate them. And He's going to demonstrate the difference between a sheep and a goat. It's going to be a reality. A sheep and a goat. Cecil's an expert on sheep and goats. He's got a bunch of them. He's got a whole farm full of sheep and goats. And they love him dearly. He can walk out and they start hollering at him. And he starts talking back to them. <laughs> he, he loves it. He takes good care of his sheep and goats. But see, we know that there's a difference between sheep and goats. And I believe in the judgment it's going to be a demonstration of the difference between a sheep and a goat. And I've told you before, who is it that Jesus come to die for? Read John chapter 10 and you will determine He come to give His life for the sheep. He never gave His life for a single goat. He come to die for the sheep. Listen, Christian, before you ever knew you was a sheep, 
He gave His life for the sheep. Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. So I wanted to demonstrate in this matter of reward. There's a reward in this. Reward for growing in love that it abounds. And I want, I want you to know that this is what the reward's going to be. And if you're growing in love, you don't want any kind of offense in your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That word offense in the Greek means to stumble. Oh, God help us. Amen. That we don't stumble along the way. And you know what? When we come to realize what, how He feels about our stumbles, if we really do love Him, we're going to say, Lord, help me not to ever offend You. Amen? I hope you enjoyed the message tonight because i got news for you. There's reward in growing. Father, we praise You and thank You for this passage of Scripture and what we're taught by it. And I pray, O Lord, that You would help all that's participated in these series on this passage of Scripture, that You would give them a desire, because that's got to come from You. There's nothing else will motivate us but grace. Nothing. We know that. We understand that. Apart from grace, we're not motivated for anything but our own selfish desires. So I pray, O Lord, You'd give special blessing to those who have participated. And as Brother Moore has prayed, there are many who have not seen fit to participate. They have no desire to. And I pray you would help them to fall on their face before you and say, Lord, what's wrong? Why do I not care? And so, Father, bless this closing number to your glory and praise in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now would you stand with me? Brother Aaron's going to lead us in the closing number.